What's going on, guys? This is Nick at Nick Drummer Twenty. This is Aiden, aka Dama Doozy. Nick Fish TV here. You guys are listening to Georgia Kinama Radio. Guys, we are, uh, as always, super excited to to talk to you all that are listening, but also to have uh, another super fun convo with a new person to the podcast, um, someone who's also new to Georgia. Um, so yeah, I'm super glad to um, to have George Marshall here on the podcast. What up? I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for being on, man. Yeah, this is great. How are you enjoying the our, the Georgia version of cold weather? It's currently like 35 degrees out and windy. Man, and I, actually, I love it. It's my favorite weather. Is it your favorite weather? I guess like 40s, 50s are like ideal. And that's like what your winters have been. So <laughs> I'm hyped on it. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. 50s, 50s, I think are the normal high for Georgia winter. We obviously have gotten to hang out a few times now that you've been in Georgia, which is awesome. I'm super stoked that you've been coming to the jams like yeah. super regularly, which is not always easy for pros or for anybody. You know, we're all adults. Um, so yeah, I want to, I want to thank you for coming to those. Of course. So, I mean, I think you've some, told most of us already, but tell me like why you decided to move to Atlanta. Um, yeah. you know, just let us know. I mean, long story short, I followed my girlfriend here. Oh yeah. If you want to really simplify things. Um, we, I guess I, I do like video work and I knew that Atlanta is, you know, kind of like little brother to Hollywood in many ways. And there's lots of video production and stuff here. Mm-hmm. I also knew that with COVID, at least starting out, I would be doing remote work anyway. So yeah. I was like, and I just wanted, I, I told her, I was like, I just want to go to a new place, like a new city, no matter what it was. So like, as long as it wasn't Minneapolis or Boulder, I was like, let's just do it. Um, and Atlanta is a place I've heard about and had a layover in once or twice, but I've never <laughs> actually been here. And I've had friends, you know, Christian Frazier and Willie and some other friends like talk so highly of it. And I was like, I mean, might as well try it out. Have you ever visited for like a, a longer amount of time, like a few days before? No, I, we both, neither her or her name's Mia. So I'll probably bring her up later, but like yeah, um, yeah. neither of us have been here. Um, the reason she came is because she got into grad school at Emory. Um, oh. doing, uh, global public health and infectious diseases. So literally like studying COVID. What a coin, <laughs> what a yeah. interesting time to be in that field, man. Yeah. And they, wow. they have a really like good prestigious program basically. Yeah. So she's like, well, I got to go there if I got in. Um, and I was like, hell yeah, let's do it. So we found an apartment literally two weeks before we moved in August and here we are. Yeah. That's okay. awesome. Emory's a great, a great school. I, yeah. that, I mean, you know, obviously, and she knows, but Everybody in Georgia knows like if Emory is one of the best like medical schools around here. Yeah. And um, yeah. if you ever have like a need, like if you, you end up, you know, being sick, like if you're going to Emory, you're probably going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that's awesome. Yeah. So it sounds like all the planets kind of align that you're looking to move. So why were you looking to move somewhere new other than just, you know, the circumstance or was that just, yeah. is that just mostly like. I think it's mostly me being young and realizing that this is the time to be able to do that if I can, um, because mm-hmm. moving, going to school in Boulder, um, which was another place I only visited like once. And I actually wanted to go there because I loved snowboarding at the time and just wanted to like be in mountains and that kind of stuff. But I ended up snowboarding maybe like three times over my four years I was there. Oof. <laughs> but it, I think it just the, the idea of like being in a new place and be able, being able to like explore all that it has to offer and I feel like a couple of years, like you really get to experience a place. And if you decide to move on, you can move on. Um, and that's kind of what Atlanta is going to be. I'll be here for at least three years if everything continues to go well. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. It's a, it's a big little state or a little big state, depending on how you look at it. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of nooks and crannies, but spread out. I like to think of, of Georgia and Atlanta is like, New York is very dense on like what it has. Yeah. But if you, you could take that same density and you kind of have the same thing with Atlantic. So does it spread out like this? Yeah. You can, you find all kinds of weird pockets of people like us or, or things all over. Yeah. And it's kind of hard to get to most of them because the streets aren't like, you know, 
gridlocked or anything like that. They're freaking yeah. spaghetti junction style. Definitely noticed that. <laughs> yeah, craziness. Um, but yeah, yeah, a lot of a lot of interesting stuff to see here in Georgia. So I'm glad. I guess I'm glad the city had enough pull to want to bring someone like you in. <laughs> we we still have a lot to explore. Definitely. I mean, like we definitely want to make it to Savannah eventually. I know that's oh. a popular place, and like. Um, my girlfriend and I have been super into like hiking and stuff being from Colorado. So like North Georgia mountains, yeah. like that kind of thing. Eventually we've done like stone mountain and some other like small, more closer like nature things. But yeah, I mean, there, like you said, there's so much, like you could go to a new place every weekend. And, yeah. yeah. It's super diverse in that sense. I mean, you go to North Georgia, you have the Appalachian trail. I mean, come yeah, on. That, that's what we want to do. That would be sick. Yeah. I've, I've hiked a good chunk of it so far and it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Nick's from Nick, not, it's not from Savannah, but Nick went to SCAD and you went to SCAD in Savannah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Savannah is wonderful. It's definitely worth a visit. I I don't think you'd find yourself wanting to live there for long for, like you said, you experience a a few years of a place and you decide you want to move on. It was four years there for me was enough, but it's a beautiful place worth, worth a visit a long weekend for sure. And you'll, probably want to make it like a frequent go back and visit for a weekend and get some beach time, get some funky shopping in. Uh, you'll, uh, you'll like the Savannah college of art and design vibe around there as well. Being a video person and being around creatives. It's a, it's a cool vibe there for sure. I feel like it's a perfect distance away where it feels like you're getting away for the weekend, but like it's very doable for a night or two. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Atlanta in general, like you can go, you can go, what is it? Five hours to get to Savannah. You can go four or five hours to get to some snowboarding North. Mm-hmm. You can go, you know, an hour and a half to get to a great hike. Um, so it's pretty close to a lot of things, which is unique. Not like California. California is a bit closer to everything, but we're not going to get there. Get we get their own benefits. <laughs> so how, um, how is playing Kendama change or been now that you've been in Georgia have you been thinking out of the box more um have you has like working with like working in your field here influence any like the ways you're editing um yeah. I mean I, I think a lot of people know already that you are hands down one of the best editing players in Kendama um and I think everybody kind of has it when I, literally when people ask like you know, what, how do I, how do I get better at edits? I'm like, just look at some edits, some of George's edit over time. Cause that'll give you a great idea of like how you can incorporate it. So how, has any of that changed? Has anything here influenced you as your job, like your new, you know, jobs here influence any of that? Yeah, that, um, I guess I have a couple points with that. Um, I think any time that I move to a new city, like I was already mentioning Boulder. It's just like, when I got to Boulder that first fall that I was there for school, I made, I think I just called it an edit by George Marshall, whatever. But like, <laughs> I, I'm so inspired to just like, just seek out new locations and, you know, just like, it's just like, it's so fun to like find new places. Cause I've exhausted all the Minneapolis Kendama spots basically, like, especially right. within my like mile radius. Um, yeah. And a similar thing happened when I, studied abroad in Prague in 2019 and I did my lefty 28 tricks later and I was very lucky because I just had enough time because school wasn't like the most demanding thing so every single day I would just go find a random alley with a random piece of graffiti and it was just like my fun adventure every single day to like find these not super touristy areas of a new city and I feel like I I don't want to say I've done that too much in Atlanta yet um but that's definitely like in the works is like I think similar to like people seeking out like skate spots, like Kendama place. Yeah. I want to film there someday. Um, yeah. So I always, I'm taking pictures and dropping pins of places that, you know, like cool murals and other like alleyways and stuff that are found around here. Um, and yeah, just like, it's just so fun to imagine the possibilities of a new edit because that's basically why I play Kendama at this point is to make videos um, <laughs> besides playing with friends and going to jams and all that. Um, so yeah, that's been really fun. And then also luckily Christian Frazier has been a really good friend even before I moved here. Um, I'm, I, I'm homies with like all the sweets pros and everything, but me and Christian have like always clicked ever since we first met. Um, he kind of feels like a 
big brother mentor to me in a way because he was <laughs> really older and similar similar vibes, I feel like. Um, so that's been fun to like, I mean, we've already made one video together. We have another video in the works coming up and just like being able to hang out with him and have another like pro canal player on my team here to collaborate with and, you know, just talk to has been really great. Yeah. So, yeah I feel like my like Kendama, you know, it has its like ups and downs and like kind of changes for like what the individual thinks of it. And I feel like it's like, I kind of found this place where it's like really consistent in my life in Atlanta. Like I still play every day in my apartment because I mm -hmm. just work remotely anyway. Um, and I've just like, I go up on my rooftop and I film tricks and I go to the jams and I go over to Christians a couple times. And it's just like, I don't know. It's just been, it's been really great, I guess. Yeah. So has, I know like for a lot of people, um, a problem they kind of have is like, they don't like, they love Kendama a lot, but they don't feel like they can have like the ecosystem to support them wanting to push like farther or harder or better. Yeah. How would you compare like the ecosystem of like Kendama stuff, whether it's spots, players, peeps, whatever here to maybe not Boulder as much as Minneapolis considering Oh, Boulder's got a lot of people too. So yeah. How would you compare Atlanta so far? I mean, you haven't, I don't even think you've been here a full year yet, but still. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I've been here almost like five months, which is really, really short. <laughs> what do you think about yeah. it? Um, <laughs> yeah. I think I've, I've been playing for, it'll be eight years in March, which again, is just freaking free. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think after you play for that long, you kind of figure out, what works for you anyway. And I'm very, I'm very comfortable playing alone and like sustaining my Kendama life alone because I'll just, I'll film like a stupid little like Instagram ad or something just cause that's what I like to do. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that the jams here, like I said, have just been amazing. And I definitely need some sort of social Kendama interaction um, to go along with my individual Kendama stuff that I do. Yeah. I think like, the bi-weekly has been really nice. I am, I don't, this might be a good time to announce it, but like, I, I do really want to start doing like maybe like monthly Kendama jams on my rooftop. I have just like a really beautiful, like view of Atlanta rooftop. And I don't know, it could be more of like a, like a grill jam type thing. I like actually have food and make it more of an event um, Yeah. that I really want to start doing. And I, it, you know, it'd be a part of what you guys are doing, like kind of, you know, make it work. Yeah, I mean that's an that's an awesome idea. We've uh, we did a survey recently um, last year, basically. I say last year it was like eight days, and a lot of people. First thing that was interesting was I did I kind of assumed, but I didn't really realize like most people that are interact with us are like twenty one between twenty one and thirty. Yeah. Um. So we're one thing we we're planning on starting to do is like brewery jams, like going mm -hmm. to different local breweries, kind of within the metro Atlanta area. And just doing that but like i think there's a big want for people to kind of have like a um a different kind of sesh where it's like the georgia kanama jams are always like this is for kendama we're chilling and like if people want to bring fingerboards that's cool if you want to do you know bring whatever kind of skill toys but like yeah. it's like a pretty specific like we're playing kendama we're there playing kendama's prizes like let's get it let's film that kind of thing but yeah there's definitely like i think a lot of want for something a little more low-key or chill or just like another fun location yeah um, so yeah that's, that's awesome how the, that's how the i think i was i think i was talking to nick or someone about this that the that's how the boulder ones were is they were held at a local brewery in boulder just mm -hmm. like on friday nights like you would go out with your friends anyway um and it was really great like i mean we would all play kendama the whole time but like you could like go get a beer and like just chill for a second and it i mean it's definitely like a different vibe and i think like you said the kendama scene is I feel like older than a lot of people realize sometimes. Like most of yeah. the programs are 18 plus, 21 plus anyway. Um, so yeah, I think having room for both, like both vibes is definitely possible. And again, yeah. yeah, for sure. It's been an interesting shift over the years. Cause I've been, I've been doing yeah. this, the Georgia Dama stuff for about five years now. And when I started, uh, it was almost, I was, I was almost always the oldest person there. And it was like, yeah. And at the time when I started, when I'm I was 20. So, like, other than like Fraser or Ryan Plord or, um, or Charles, who would show up, like, yeah. I was always like doing stuff for kids. And now it's now it's just all the older homies 
and some of those kids grew up basically. Um, but Georgia in, in particular has always been like a place where a lot of kids were part of it. I had one jam where it was like 60 kids and like yeah. four adults. It was just a normal jam. And I'm like, yeah. yeah, it changes a lot. But yeah, I mean, stuff That's like cool. jams like that is like, I think the new wave. <laughs> when we started, when we started doing the, like the old Sweets Kandamas shop in um, Minnesota, like me and some of my friends, like were the ones that ran those Kandama jams. Mm-hmm. That was always like, yeah, 30 to 60 kids. Like we were maybe 18 at the time and there was nobody older than us except like this one dad that would show up. But like it, it's crazy to think that now if there were jams in Minneapolis, it is maybe like a 16 year old and then older, which I mean, it's cool for us because we're all older, but you know, yeah, it is weird how it's shifted. Yeah. But it's fun because yeah. it just means we get like new ways to think about what we can do. Like, you know, pushing more brewery jams or, chilling on top of like rooftop and, you know, grilling kind of jam, stuff like that, where it lends itself more to the, the adult crowd. Yeah. Um, not that like anybody's ever unincluded to anything, but, um, it lets us do more things. Cause that's what people want. That's what's fun about it. Chaining it up. <laughs> so speaking of, um, speaking of change in Kendama, I'm wondering where you think Kendama is going to be in the future. Where yeah. do you think it's headed? I think that, um, I mean, obviously I'm biased towards Sweets Kandamas because they, first of all, they gave me my first job. I don't know if you knew that, but I worked at their warehouse before I was ever sponsored. So like they got a special place in my heart. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> but I think their, their like new mission throughout 2020 and on is like kind of just pushing Kandama into these scenes you know, like the BMX and the new like dubstep things they're doing and the skate and blading and just everything and kind of having it as this like toy, this sport, this hobby that's just kind of on the side everywhere. And it doesn't have to be like your main vibe. I mean, the, the Sweet Mom video that just came out, that's a perfect example. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's where I see it heading. Um, I think it's tough to expect because Kanam is a niche thing and not, I mean, a bunch of weirdos like us are the people that really get into it. But yeah. I think it's more reasonable for people to just like kind of get into it and just like carry one around everywhere, but it doesn't have to be their main vibe. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's the the best way to see it grow is because I mean Reed Stark showed it to a million people just by like playing it in his Instagram mm-hmm. like a couple years yeah. ago. The way Sweets is able to get it into different cultures is pretty amazing. Yeah. And I think there's I know there's been a lot of I guess not a lot of criticism, but people are like, oh, why are they, why are they giving these pro models to this person that can barely do a jumping stick, whatever. Um, but then that Kendama sells more than like a Max Norcross pro model. And you realize why, like it's people are finding yeah. Kendama. And I think that's everybody's goal is to spread this toy and show people how much we love it. And I think Sweets has been doing a really great job. I mean, they kind of, they kind of figured out where, where they fit in, in like outside of, the Kendama scene that's already here mm-hmm. and like expand it basically. Yeah. They've been killing it for sure. They'll, yeah. They'll, you'll always see like purists. Well, this where of any, you know, skill, toy, sport, whatever. They'll be like, why is this person sponsored or whatever when they can't do X? And it's yeah. like, <clears throat> I think a lot of people don't look at sponsored things or, or anything of that kind of nature as a, as a purely like if you do x you get y thing when it's like really not that and besides the fact like honestly the point of sponsoring people is because a they're great people b they put out you know great content and c they get other people into the thing that your company is trying to make money from doing (laughs) so you know if reed star can do a jumping stick heck yeah let's get him to do two jumping sticks and make him his own mod like you know Let's get it. And I, and I think, um, you know, Sweets has a, um, deserves a lot of credit too. Like with the recent, um, I guess, I don't know what part of the team they were put on, but when they just put two new girls on the team and now I, I don't know if it's maybe my mind just thinking I see it. Like you get a car, you buy a car and now you see that car everywhere kind of thing. Yeah. But now I, I feel like I'm seeing a lot more female players. Um, there's always been female players in Japan, but I mean, in the U S and like, I guess Western side lately. And I, I would love to say like, 
doing stuff like that is help push it. I mean, we've always had people like Haley Bischoff and stuff like that, but like people always need to see like that. You don't have to be, you don't have to be neck Gallagher level to like be sponsored. So there's, it's, it's for everybody. Um, I think Mm -hmm. a big problem we have too in Kendama is like we have it's Kendama is for the best. Like, like if you go, I feel a worry for people who go to a jam and they feel like they can't go because they're not the best at Kendama. They're like super good. I, I get that all the time. That people will be like, Oh, I didn't want to come to jams for at first because I'm not like, I'm not that good. I had to you know work my way up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I think that's a problem. Like you, think about how many people play soccer. Yeah. None of them, none of them, 0% except for one person will ever be as good as like Cristiano Ronaldo or Lionel Messi. Like, yeah. They won't be, but yet so many people, so many people play soccer. And yeah. they're not that good. I like soccer. I'm not that good. <laughs> like, but why, you know? And I think that's, I think that's the, the future of any growing sport is that it has to, it can't just appeal to the Nick Gallagher's <clears throat> and the Christian Freighters and the Wyatt Braves. It can't because look, not everybody's gonna be that good. I've been yeah. playing for 10 years. I suck butt. Like, I'm not good at Kendama. But, like, I love Kendama. And I and I found my own little thing. And I think that's where the future is, in my mind, for Kendama is, like, is branching out into these different subcultures and showing people, like, not only can you play Kendama because you want to just hit bangers, but because you just want to have fun. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And I think that's, I mean, like you said, that's been a very intentional thing with, like, lots of companies, like, just... I mean, if you're a little kid, little girl, little boy, whatever you are, like you, if you only see Nick Gallagher and Ben Harold and like Bryson, whatever, Nick Stodd, it's extremely intimidating. Oh, yeah. Um, so I think seeing, you know, Lauren and Emily and Carly, the girls we have, and then, I don't know, Stephanie Lucier and like all those other girls and just anybody, Reed Stark, uh, Boogie T, you know, just being able to see like, oh, they have a big smile on their face and they're landing a whirlwind. And also some of them land absolute bangers. Like, yeah. I don't want to downplay sure. the skills because they are insane. Um, oh, yeah. But I think it's just, like you said, there's so much value in that and just inspiring people to play for fun because that's why we all started anyway. Yeah. And I think everybody has something to bring to Kendama. Um, mm-hmm. Like Lauren and Em, they hit that sweet special over the back to oh. the other person's spike thing. And I feel, I've feel i seen that blowing up. And like, that's such a, that's a dope trick, you know, as it is, but it's also such a fun collaborative trick. Mm-hmm. And like, and they were know, so hyped, like just the just the energy yeah. of the clip, energy, yeah. So yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. Like those different little subcultures are a big part of it, and also just getting, you know, people who aren't super good at kendama stoked about kendama. Yeah, um, yeah. I think when we all, so you said it's been how many years have you played, George? It's been you said eight years this year, right? Twenty twenty thirteen um, on my birthday, March first, I got my first Kendama. Oh, heck yeah. A so, birthday Dama? <laughs> I actually, I played for like a week or two before that, but I had to steal my cousins. And then when <laughs> that's, that's when I say it was like, that's the real start. Yeah. Well, you know, eight years ago, nobody was really good. You know, yeah. I mean, people were good. They're always, I guess, good. They're in the bleeding edge, but like comparatively, I think the bar was set a lot lower, especially for Americans of like what is good and like how long do I have to train to be good? Oh, yeah. um, but because we were all like kind of at this level, like, you know, we weren't like, you know, we're in World Cup champ here and, you know, beginner here. We were closer to like World Cup champ here, like beginner here. I yeah. think everybody could be a part of it. And now people see that, like exactly what you said. And they need, they need the people here, here, and maybe even here to be like, oh, well, I can hang out with these people because I definitely can't play count with this guy. Yeah. I remember coming to my first jams, the first like pros that I saw were Christian Frazier and Lyndon Whalen. And so it was a little hard to go to those <laughs> and not be intimidated, yeah. but I also looked at it as a motivation to, to be able to get that good, you know? Yeah. George, what was your first jam? First, first group of, of people that were like, yeah, this is an yeah. official thing. So, my my like beginning was a pretty classic like group of a bunch of white high school dudes got into it all at once kind of a thing um yeah. 
So it started out as a group of like literally 12 people that were like playing and then, you know, it slowly like whittles down. Yeah. Um, but I remember there was like this like mall, Sweets held this like, just like little competition at a mall in Minnesota that we went to. And we, I mean, like you were just talking about how like the bar was set lower back then, like me and my friend Lucas Funk, who is technically on the Sweets team still, but doesn't play much. Um, he, we both like competed in advance, like our first competition after a couple months. And yeah. then that, the first MKO, which was 2013, was held at a train station in St. Paul, Minneapolis, Minnesota. I, I got eighth place in open division after like, like not even like like I know it's like kind of like braggy and stuff, but it's also just like that like the skill level was just like lower and we just grinded, and I can't even imagine doing that now. Like I can't even get top eight, and I've been playing for eight years now because kids are just insane. Yeah, they are. I mean, I feel the same way. Like I've been playing for about nine. It'll be nine years. Yeah, nine years this year, and it's mm-hmm. like, I mean, if I if I win three or four of my open games, I'm stoked. I'm happy. Like yeah. I played played matt uh sweets at a battle of the border and i was like i won i'm i don't care if i win the rest of it i've you know i played someone so yeah um i think the you're right the bar is set higher um and it's that's it's interesting that even though you've been in the game so long from the beginning to the end not the end there's never the end right but from the beginning to now like it's been sweets all the way and they've yeah. always just kind of been there for you I think it's whether it's the first jam or first Dama solely just because I came out of Minneapolis like that, like Kendama in Minnesota was and always has been sweets Kendamas. Like that was the only, I, I think my second, my first three Kendamas were sweets. Um, and then I got like a yellow and like sky blue Ozora. And then I tried like a Kenko. I never got a Kendama USA, I don't think, mm-hmm. but it was just like, yeah, like sweets was just the obvious choice. And Back then, I didn't, I didn't think of sweets kendamas as better than the other ones, but it was just like I can physically go to the shop and buy one. So why wouldn't I? Yeah. So I think it just makes sense that I've always been with sweets. How has been on? How has being on the team for so long changed over time for you? I'm going from the gromest of grom to the mo- like easily yeah. one of the most veteran players and with one of the best pro mods ever to come out. Like, how is yeah. that? How has that span of time been? Have you have you heard about like? Do you remember like when me because me and Lucas Funk got on the team at the same time mm-hmm. in 20, 2015, 2017? Was it really that late? I thought it was. I think like we got on we got the homegrown team in twenty fifteen. Um, mm-hmm. And the previous year, twenty fourteen, my friend Lucas had one mko so then tamatsu in japan invited him to come to the world cup um in 2015 and because of, and at that time we were working at the sweets warehouse but like no one in the scene like knew who we were really um, and i was like oh if lucas is invited like i'll just tag along um so we we asked sweets like we were going to pay for our flights and accommodations but we just asked sweets if we could tag along with the team um just for convenience and all um, so we went and like Sweets even got us like our own like official Sweets jerseys, even though we weren't actually on the team or anything. <laughs> um, and apparently we learned this after, but Christian Frazier and the rest of the team had decided because since Lucas and I made it to the finals, they were like, all right, if either of these two get to the top five, then we'll add them onto the team. Um, and Lucas got second and I got fourth that year. Yeah. So got added. And it was like, I remember that was just like the best day of my life. Like people were like these two rando kids just like did really well in Japan and now they're on the team. Like it was, it was surreal. Just like anybody else getting on a team. Like it's just a crazy feeling. Um, but I mean, at that time, um, it definitely felt like I had to prove myself, especially nobody even knowing who I was. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like at this point, I've kind of found my place in the community and I feel comfortable just continuing to do what I do, which is, you know, making videos and edits and just like definitely like the content creation side of it. And I still, I still love filming good tricks and stuff, but I, I have trouble, uh, you know, grinding for a trick for two hours. Like I used to back in 2015, (laughs) or even like six hours sometimes. Yeah. Um, so I feel like I, I just, 
I'm at a comfortable place. I guess I don't feel like I have to prove myself as much. I just feel like I'm, I'm at a steady, just keep doing what I'm doing and I'll be all right. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like to stay relevant at least like <laughs> seem, even though there's kids that are way better than me and blah, blah, blah. But I don't, I'm not trying to stay relevant in the sense of like landing bangers anymore. Just you have your own lane, you know, make it. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to make cool stuff and, it seems like people like what I do. So like I said, I'm not going to change. I'm comfortable with doing what I'm doing and I do it because I want to do it and it works out because people like it. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think an, uh, an edit volume three is always something that'll stand out as that, like setting your vibe for me, at least that was mm-hmm. at least, a, was it a couple of years ago? I think maybe yeah, at least a year ago, but that's, so it's been some, that for me, I guess, was early on for me just showed, I mean, you say it right in the beginning of that whole edit. This is not about the tricks. It's about the video. It's about the edit. And as someone that works in video and editing for me, that was a lane that you owned and a lane that was super cool that I also thought I could sit in and not be the best player. You could focus on doing some really cool edits or promoting a product through an edit. Um, and I think you've continued to do that, but it's also really neat that it, you've got opportunities to edit for suites now. So I wonder if you could talk about that. Like it's obvious now for the whole community with the flow grove edit and you're doing the behind the scenes with that, but your pro edit as well. We saw that at what was a battle at the border that mm-hmm. you were announced. Right. And so that, sure, was, I, was announced at, I was announced at NAKO with my pro model, that one. Okay. Yeah. But you did, um, yeah, I mean, it was you did super your whole short edit, thing. a flow grove edit, and so it. it's it's neat that you've been able to edit for suites in more of like a professional sense or for your pro players yeah. on your team. So I guess talk about that a little bit and that yeah. part of being a pro player and working with suites now. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it, it just really worked out. Like I was making edits because that's what I like to do in my free time, and that's kind of how I like to express myself through Kendama, if you will. And then... Um, I would, I did at the beginning, I did like Josh Grove's homegrown announcement before I did his pro edit. And I did like a Christian Frazier V25 series edit or something like, just like these random projects. Um, and then up until recently when I've kind of been doing more freelance work and am out of college and trying to be an adult and make money and stuff, I reached out to Sweets and I was like, look, I've been doing work for you for free for a long time and I love doing it, but if you you know, could compensate me hourly, that would be great. Um, so kind of the start of that was the Nick and Zach camo series video I did this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and ever since then, I I just like do the bigger, like Cooper takes care of the tutorials and he's doing um, like these game of cans and he has his own like huge list of projects. Like he's full-time video for them. Um, but like Josh Grove came up to me because Cooper was supposed to make his and Josh was like, you know what, actually I want you to edit it. So like that was just like his wow turn. what an honor uh, yeah to have was, someone just go straight up to you like look man you're the guy like cooper's not good enough no but it was like he, <laughs> we no. we had worked together and i mean i know josh and cooper are also really close but like me and josh like we have a good vibe and we've done edits in the past together so he was like look i just want to work with you and i was honored obviously because it was a really fun project but i think it's quite literally a dream come true to not only be sponsored by my favorite canal company but also like officially officially unofficially work for them like i'm not on payroll or anything but you know it's it's really really cool and it we have a couple it's not like super consistent but we do have i don't know if i should say this but there's a nick gallagher edit um <laughs> coming out that i'm editing which is just like banger 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 and then another christian frazier video um so it's yeah it's just like fun doing these just like the bigger edits. And I, I'm honored that these players choose me to edit them because Cooper, I mean, Cooper, the reason that Sweets is able to do this or help me out with this is because Cooper is already busy with what he's doing. Um, so it kind of just works out really well that they do need extra work and I'm here to do it and I have time to do it. So it's, yeah. been, it's been really awesome. Yeah, content's big. Um, yeah. I think in this and day and, and age for any company. Crazier. Like yeah. the... the like the bar for edits, at least in my mind, because like I feel like I like making the more high higher level edits, but it's like if an edit doesn't have like a crazy intro at this point, it's like, is it even an edit? Like 
Yeah. I mean, I'm gonna sound like that. How dare you be setting the bar so high, man? That's that's what it feels like to me. And I think maybe that's me competing with myself as well. You know, like I, Which made, is good. The Josh, I made the Josh Pro edit, like, you know, this Nick edit has to be better somehow. Um, and it's really just me exploring my own like just techniques that I want to learn. Mm-hmm. And it's great because these players I work with trust me to do that. Like I, you know, I went up to Josh and I was like, look, like he had he had a storyboard set out for the intro, the really long like two minute intro of him floating and like him finding the Dhamma. And then after that, he was like, here's 13 tricks, just do your style on it. And that's like, I love having that creative freedom. And I'm really happy that people trust me to do that. Um, just like learn what I want to learn and actually have content to use those techniques on, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. Great. Yeah, you have to you have to film before you can edit, of course. Exactly. <laughs> and people just people just give me footage and I get to use it. So it's like it's really a great system we got coming. Yeah, I that's one thing that I I think to your credit has been a big thing is a lot of people, um actually Nick, you too, come to think of it. A lot of people who are just really love editing, like just love making stuff look cool have been a big part of Kanal recently, like on um, boss one, his like three trick fixes and like mm-hmm. all this stuff. Like he's good at Kendama, but like he's never even in his little edits that he makes, but those yeah. are all like well-made. And I think, I think one of the things I mentioned earlier, and we, we mentioned a lot of podcasts is like finding the thing that you, that makes Kendama yours. And it's like, I love that people are getting like Kendama culture is getting to the point where you don't have to just, just play Kendama. Like if you want to, edit stuff yeah and like you know be learning as you go with kendama you know send it yeah there's a great example of that i don't want to screw up her username but i think her name's like nicole pika or something on instagram um she she's done she did like this like animated like super short like gif of josh grove doing a trick and she's oh yeah cooper um just like this rotoscoping like hand-drawn stuff and she doesn't she doesn't have any kendama clips on her page or anything i think her boyfriend might play but that's just what she decided to do with Kendama. And I think that's great. It's like, you know, maybe I'm not the best and maybe I want to learn how to do a whirlwind eventually, but also I like doing this art. And there's plenty of people, like people that are, there have been people that like make Kendama bracelets or like pillows or just like random other like little art things that yeah. are related to Kendama, but have nothing to do with actually playing a toy. And I think there's value in that in its own. So I love to see it. I love seeing that stuff so much. Yeah, I mean, even my fiance, like she, she plays Kanama and she's like adv- Kente advanced second class, but like mm-hmm. she doesn't play a lot. But like anytime we have to do wood burning stuff, like she, she'll do wood burning. Like, <laughs> wood that's burning just like her thing. Wood burning always gets me. Like I, I bought a wood burning tool because I was, you know, inspired by some of these like higher wood Kanama wood burners. It's so hard. <laughs> it is, man. It is so, so hard. Like I'm impressed with that. Yeah, watching her do wood burning on Kanama and then like. And her work is good. Yeah. But it's not very uh, intricate compared to like something like Monkey Glands does. And I look at his stuff stuff, and I'm like, how? <laughs> like, You know how it's because he takes 200 hours to do it. That's how. Yeah, right. 200 uh, hours. I think Kenyatta is like, for me, his, and I don't know if you guys have listened to the Dama Nerds where he talks about it, that he has like a basic basic wood burner and that's all he's ever had and you look yeah. at how deep some of his grooves are and it's just like no way dude you must sit there for hours like pushing in for one dot on the yeah. base cup it's like <laughs> super dope i hope when he gets a pro model it is based on his wood burns because yeah for me obviously the, my, whole, the whole like black hole thing it better be that be sick it would be super cool i don't know how they do that on a big scale but i hope yeah. so but yeah monkey glands is another like I, I, I too love, and I've done some video editing for just the sake of doing it and pulled other people's clips. And mm-hmm. George, you were working at one point, you did it with once with Josh and we've talked about it a bit, but a clip exchange, I think is something on a larger scale. That's a yeah. really cool thing. If you're not the best player or you don't know how to edit, sometimes I try to help Aiden with editing stuff because he's a great player and good filmer but I've got experience in editing. I think that's a really neat thing for the community. Um, and I've been trying to do that way, way early on. Um, show enough, Chris was sending me clips and told me I could edit them if I wanted to because I had a vibe going. And I that's something that's neat about, 
I guess the pandemic right now, especially for me, it's, I, I felt sort of in, the, in this rut, I had all this inspiration, like I'm going to go out and film and just edit other people's tricks. And then it's like, you can't hang out with people. And if yeah. you do, you got to be apart from each other and in a mask. But I think if other people have a phone, they can prop up and film and then send it to someone else to make it something special or edit together your 28 tricks later for, for someone else. Like, I think that's a really neat thing that people like you and I with video editing skills can offer. I also mm-hmm. saw you mentioned offering classes, uh, which I think is a really neat, yeah. neat thing that that you you can offer for people that want to put themselves out there that might be good enough to sponsor, but they you know don't have what it takes to edit something together that's significant for a sponsor to see. So it's yeah. uh, it's neat opportunity has come with the pandemic, but it's also I'm sure made things kind of difficult in the same way. My my ultimate goal with those like editing workshops i I, th- I post like a long instagram story about it my ultimate goal is to hold these workshops for you know different like beginners through advanced through like specifically after effects with so it's like different levels um and then at the end say there's 10 ideally 10 to 20 people in the class i don't know how many it would be but then at the end they all do a clip exchange and edit each other's clips with the with the techniques that they learn and that's like that's just like I mean, like we were talking about, like, just like, that's kind of my lane in Kendama and I want to teach other people to also like pursue the content creation within Kendama. Um, so I think that, that, that might be a 2021 goal is teach other people and do more clip exchange stuff. Cause I did one with yeah Josh Kim and it was really fun. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's one thing that a lot of people don't realize is that you don't, if you're looking to like play Kendama and make your stuff look, look really good. If you just don't feel comfortable editing and, you know, reach out to a friend, man. It's like, yeah. turns out like there's a lot of us <laughs> that play Kendama and someone's going to be, you know, at least decent at, at editing. Yeah. And there's no problem with you going and saying, Hey, you know, I, I enjoyed playing it, but I don't know that I want to edit it. Will you help me with it? And yeah, I mean, I've seen awesome mm-hmm. edits come out that way. They ha- and you know, stuff that you do and su- stuff that Cooper does just mm-hmm. proves Boston stuff that Nick's done just proves like, you know, just have a friend, man. Like all of yeah. Wyatt's clips, all of Wyatt's clips are not filmed by him. Like he has a homie that comes yeah. and films with him every time, unless it's like on a tripod and like, that's it. And it's yeah. like, you know, make friends, man. People I've, wanna... always been, I've always been jealous of Wyatt and his filmer buddy. Oh yeah. Like, it's really good filming. And also like, I'm pretty sure Wyatt just hits him up and says, Hey, I need, I need some filming. And then bam, a magical trick appears. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I want to bring back something that we had that I think Nick had mentioned earlier. There's kind of like there is this point in I guess in Kendama history with editing where your edit your edit three come out. Cooper was making a lot of really good um, Instagram content as well as like I think that's around the same time he was editing Fraser's decade his first yeah. decade one, and then um, I think just before that was Damien Kirchmeier's, um, what's it, uh, a pleasure it's to be, it's an honor uh, to be mediocre, an honor to be mediocre. Yeah. And to me, those, like when I think about it, like those are probably the three most important pieces to like this next, this next level or next gen of editing. Mm-hmm. What, what do you feel like? Obviously it was not good for me to just bring up three good options here, but what do you feel like was a good setting point for a good, a new when a new bar was set, where the next kind of level of editing kind of came into play for, um, for Kendama edits. Yeah, I I guess first I would start out by saying that I think well tripod edits is just like the classic Kendama thing. Like that's been around. Like Colin Sander edits have been even before that. If you were filming Kendama, you're doing it on a tripod in front of probably a colorful wall. Like that's just what it's been. Yeah, and I think that at least for me, like lots, like creativity often stems from limitation. And for me, my limitation was that none of my friends in Minneapolis really liked to film or were good at filming. So I was like, I have to film with a tripod. And that's kind of how for me in edit three came about is it was like how the, the whole mission behind that was how, how interesting can I make a tripod edit? Like how far can you push it to the point where it doesn't feel like it's just these like static bland trick 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 shots. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess more to more to your point, I yeah the legend the legend edit was crazy. I think Cooper Cooper was really the 
the original like pusher of crazy edits. I think his his like pro edit that came out, like his pro announcement is always I've always loved that one. Yeah. It wasn't like there wasn't any like crazy, crazy like special effects or anything like that, but the, the shots were crisp and the editing was perfect, the music was great. And I feel like just like the the level of thought he put into it was kind of what really started to change the game. And it's not it goes from this idea of like filming tricks whenever you have time and then figuring out how to put them together at the end, but actually putting thought into it beforehand and figuring out like, all right, what do I want to accomplish with this edit? Um, and kind of like just the pre-production, the pre-planning is what really pushes that it's the next level. I guess I would also shout out like Count Me In and Where We Are, the, the original like long movies. Yeah. Um, those are like a whole different realm. Like, those are documentaries. Um, <laughs> which are insanely well done, especially for their time within Kendama. Like there was nothing like those. Um, do you yeah. think, uh, do you think Kendama edits need to tell a story? I think there are different types of Kendama edits. And like, that's kind of a tough question because nowadays Kendama edits are usually about product promotion, especially coming from like sponsored players. Like if you're making an edit, you might as well be promoting a product for the company. Like it's just, that's kind of how it is. But I feel, I think that, yeah, like there's, there's product promotions. There's like, if you are just really good at Kendama and just want to lace bangers, like that's another thing. Like you can still have a classic Kendama edit. Um, and then there are like the more story driven ones where it's, you know, either talking about you coming up in Kendama or showing your community or that kind of thing. So I wouldn't say they need a story, but I think, if that's the vibe you're going for, it's a really great thing. Yeah, maybe not necessarily a narrative, but like a when you think of if you're if you're truly thinking ahead of time, um, you know, when you're making an edit, you're thinking of where I start and where I end. Yeah. And do you think that if you're you're editing and you're putting together a Kanam edit, or well, before you even start, you know, editing, before you start filming, even does a Kanama edit need to have a I started here and look how I got to here, or can it just be a, a just a weave of different pieces of art throughout the whole thing? Not necessarily narrative, like this is my beginning of Kendama, and now I'm good at Kendama. I get what you're saying. I think, I don't think it needs it. I think there's value in, I mean, the purest form of Kendama is just showing off your Kendama skills. And I think a lot of what I've done has been even in edit three, like I know I'm talking about like all this pre-planning and stuff, but I didn't plan that much for that. Like I, I was <laughs> like, I want to have, I want to like have some funky shots. A lot of them are like, you know, tilted or just like different angles. Mm -hmm. But other than that, I was editing through the process, just doing it like scene by scene. Like I would edit, I would edit this one trick in the B-roll, like encasing it and then towards the end i was figuring out how to transition these like individual scenes i had already done mm -hmm. um, so i think i think i mean it, i think it worked out pretty decently it's just focusing on these like individual i call them scenes but like tricks um and yeah i think that's works pretty well yeah as somebody that's kind of getting into editing and you know recently just got a camera and trying to get good at it i've noticed how much thought and how much um yeah, how much thought you need to put into it before you go out to film. And I yeah. didn't realize that beforehand. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, especially if you're, yeah, if you want it to be like a cohesive edit, like thinking about which type of B-roll will like flow into like the actual other shot. And mm -hmm. I mean, you can kind of decide how much thought you want to put into it because you could just film whatever you want and then try to save it in the end. But yeah, <laughs> I think when you, if if there's not a lot of thought put into beginning, uh, then you just have to have quantity over yeah, quality exactly. at some at some point. Like if you just shoot a butt ton of B-roll and yeah. a stack of clips, then you'll probably be okay. I mean, you'll have to sift through hours of footage, but man, you're gonna find something and then you're like, oh, this could go here with that and that. But if you're just trying to, you know, get those scenes done, yeah, you probably should storyboard it a little bit and think yeah. about it. Um, and also be good it's even cool to see like uh some people don't think about filming a trick more than once like you get it 
but yeah. then you film other angles of the same trick and maybe you don't even get the make, but you get the first half of it to look about the same and then you can cut it together. And I think that's what you meant about that edit being, what can I do with the tripod shot? Mm-hmm. And I, I remember one of the first times I saw people doing that. I think it was at Battle at the Border. I saw Coop filming map sweeps do like the first half of a trick again from different angles. And it's like... I, as an editor, I didn't even think about that, you know, like for me, it was like document the trick, show people you got it, move on. But when you want to think about presenting something as an edit or being a bit beyond documentation, yeah, uh, it's it's cool to think about how can I push this and do half of it POV and the other half this way and get mm-hmm. the trick once but stitch it together. Uh, that's like that next level up where yeah, you can play to play and document and document. Do your twenty-eight tricks later, straight up tripod on a phone setup. But it's neat to see that next level when you appreciate the content that people put out, where they grind for an extra thirty minutes to get that the right. B-roll or second yeah. angle. Yeah, the uh, I've been, I guess, going back to like not really planning out shots. Like I've Nick Gallagher has been sending me all of his clips and the first two hours of any edit is just like sifting through their footage and like figuring out what is best. Cause he definitely goes for quantity. Um, <laughs> just cause I mean, he's not the one editing. So he wants to give me as much as he can, which I really appreciate. Um, but the Gallagher's are really good at that as well. Like he'll, for example, he had a trick where it's like kind of a hard to see, but it's like a, like a tray throw thing. So he, anytime he has one of those more complicated tricks, he'll have, I assume it's Zach filming. Um, but like a slow motion close up version of it. So you can, you know, you can cut to that and he doesn't actually land it on stilts like he did in the tripod shot. But just having that possibility is important, especially for those that level of tricks and that complexity. Like it's really great. Yeah. If uh all right, <clears throat> this is a this is a quick one. You're new, you're not new to Kanama, but you're new to trying to put clips together. What's the number one tip you have for someone who wants to get the most bang out of the buck out of making um, Kendama video? I would say just like, I mean, in general, just spending, if you're filming alone, like the amount of times I walk back and forth to make sure that the framing and focus is perfect. Like I do that thing where I put the Kendama on the ground because my camera has terrible autofocus, so I don't trust it, but I'll put the Kendama on the ground, walk back, focus, walk in, like do a test trick, walk back, reframe. Um, but just that, that feeling when you look back at your trick and it was out of frame or out of focus, there's nothing like it. And I think anything to prevent that will save you lots of heartache, I guess. Um, so I've definitely learned my lesson with that and it's worth, it's worth putting in the extra five minutes before you start filming to make it look how you, how you're going to want it to look. And even like checking, I'll check every, you know, 10, 20 minutes while I'm filming to make sure that it is still recording and that like the wind hasn't blown the tripod or, you know, like or the lighting is still good, like that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah. I think just, just, yeah, putting the attention to detail at the beginning always pays off. Yeah, that's a good one because it is rough when you <clears throat> you see that your shot was super blurry and you're like, I thought I had autofocus on. What, what did that, yeah. <laughs> turns out, I mean, you shouldn't always trust autofocus. You're going to be standing in one spot. focused on like a bird behind you or something. Yeah, one of my first edits I ever filmed, it happened to me like that. It was like I was playing with trees in the background. And at one point, you know, I landed it. I was like, let's go. And then I came back down and it was like, it focused on the tree. And I'm like, no, (laughs) no. What are you saying, one thing, One thing I see a lot of is, if someone wants to, if the goal is to post an Instagram clip, I would say consider the way you're filming it. If that's your goal is to post it on Instagram. Not everyone's super into this. Not everyone's studied it for years like I have and now George has. And like, But I see a lot of people doing these like crappy frame and frame to get the thing to fit. Consider oh. the format. If you want to post it as a reel or as a story, you've got your phone the right way. And if you want it, on YouTube, let's turn the phone sideways. And there's there's ways to edit around that and make it look good. And I've seen George do a great job of that. I've been challenged with that professionally in a lot of ways to like make vertical and horizontal stuff oh, yeah. work. But you're, you want people to see your trick. And I think that's one big piece in addition to framing is don't sell your content short by filming it the wrong direction or, yeah. or having to put it in a weird box, so. 
And I think you like even additionally to that is like thinking about the trick you're going to film. Like if I'm doing like a wing or bird trick where I'm only in like this little frame and not moving much, like you might as well have the camera closer up because then you can like really see the trick. Um, but if you're doing taps and juggles and whatever, you can afford to have it further away. I also avoid, I don't have a GoPro currently, but I've had, I think like two or three and I always end up selling or trading them because I don't use them enough, but I want another one again. Um, but like, <laughs> like I, I usually avoid filming like regular lunar POV because it always looks unclean to me. I feel like you can't see the film. So just like thinking about that kind of stuff um, ahead of time is always worth it. So, yeah. Think ahead. <laughs> nope. that's, the, that's the main lesson. Think ahead. Be smart. But then be spontaneous. <laughs> then, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, oh, man. Don't let me lose it like that. No. <laughs> George, are you the kind of player that has a trick list? Do you have a book of tricks? I have, I have a note on my phone. I think probably dating back to 2015 of tricks that, and I'll put a little asterisk if I land them, but there's probably a hundred tricks and I've landed like 10 of them. And like, they're, like you look back at the, the ones you did before or like you wrote down before and you're like, it's not even like really relevant to today's Kanama play anymore. Um, but I do, I do often just like keep writing them down. It's, it's more rare nowadays. Like nowadays, I'll, it's kind of sad, but like I play, I play Kendama for myself and like at the jams. And that's like when I like really like play Kendama. But then when I'm going out to film, I'm thinking like, all right, I'm going to film. And then thinking about the trick I'm going to film is like always secondary. So often I'll get in front of the camera and be like, oh God, like, what do I do? Um, so I, that's why I don't write them down as much anymore because they are always like last minute thoughts nowadays, which I mean, it works well enough. I land tricks. It's crazy how all like you can just come in front of the camera and all of a sudden this burst of create creativity just is there. It's like, oh, well, why don't I try to do it this way? You know, something. No, yeah. Well, I mean, when you think about it, Kanama is, you know, 100 years old, but it's also in modern Kanama, in my opinion, is like about 15 years old. But it's crazy that you can still get into get in front of a camera. Yeah. And all of a sudden do a trick that is conceptually and technically never seen before. But you just decided, like, I'm just going to play Kanama how I want. And, and that happened. It's really cool. It's a special thing, really. What do you think the uh, what do you think the trick trend of twenty twenty one is going to be? If you had to guess, oh man, I twenty <laughs> twenty. I feel like after twenty nineteen, I kind of started like not trying to get on these trends as much. Like I, a lot of times, I'll a new trick will come out and I'll attempt to do it just for myself to know that I can still do it. But all these like Ben Harold, like string pinches. And I don't even know what people call tricks nowadays. It's kind of sad. Um, but like, <laughs> I think I've kind of fallen off that, like that, that side of Kendama. I would love to see stalls come back in some way. I got people always will like juggle to bird or juggle to handle, but it, a stall, like I feel like is rarely the centered point of a trick nowadays. I don't want to say rarely because there's people that still use that style, but a lot of the top players, you know, yeah, I mean, you could argue that Nick, his the way he does his uh, his stall tricks, is a big influence on on bird or stall tricks. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I always, yeah, I just like my style back in the day was a lot of just like like little like little stall tricks, if that makes sense. Like yeah. just like little movements and like meticulous kind of things. And I have a feeling that's not going to come back just because people that's just not really where it's been lately, but I would like to see that. Do you think this, I don't know what it's even called, but doing like holding, Oh, I don't axe. know what this, what do we call that? Axe. I've literally filmed two tricks with that. You know, I think, no, I think axe, axe is one of the, like the anti cliffhanger ones. Like I think hook, hook. hook yes. Hook. hook. <laughs> yeah. Do you I, think, do you think hook is going to be a 2021 trick, like a big thing? I feel like it it came and went and not even in that big of a way. Like people, there was a lot of people like like Christian Frazier's done a lot of tricks with it. T. Parker Johnson. Parker Parker did like a flip 
the hook flip at Battle of the Border last year. Mm-hmm. I did I did like a barrel and a double barrel, and I really want to get a triple barrel of it. <sighs> I, I, I think it's one of those, there's like this balance of these like trends being excess, like a balance of like accessibility and technicality, I guess. And that's one of those tricks that number one, you have to have a kendama that just happens to be good for it. Like some mm-hmm. kendamas, I can't even pull up to it. And other ones, it just locks. Right. That alone prevents it from being like this huge trend. Mm-hmm. Because it's really, really hard and a lot of luck about what kendama you're actually using. So. Yeah. It's a good point. <laughs> similar, to like, similar to like tightrope. Like tightrope, you have to have, like people will literally flatten their spikes just so they can do tightrope. Like. That's yeah, why exactly. not everybody can do it. <laughs> yeah. Also, but yeah, you're not doing it on a freshie, especially a glued freshie. Oh, <laughs> I'm barely doing a border balance on a glued freshie. Oh yeah. <laughs> um well I think I'm exhausting my questions. George, is there anything where you are anything you have coming up or or anything you want? you know, the Georgia peeps to know, or any of the, you know, any of the broader Kinama players to know for the next, for the next year or just stuff you have coming up that you're excited about. Yeah. I mean, I guess I already mentioned those rooftop jam things I would love to get going. And I guess also I'd love to be a part of you finding like a brewery or something like that side of the Georgia Kinama scene would be really cool. What, I don't know how COVID plays into all of that, but you know, yeah. Um, and I'm just always pushing for people to make edits. Like I, I know I'm guilty of posting way too many Instagram clips instead of edits anyway, but like I, I think my 2021 goal and would love for other people is to film edits. Like instead of posting five Instagram tricks, just edit them the same, film them the same, but then put them into a YouTube video. And that just like the longevity of YouTube videos is, like you, you go back to YouTube videos all the time or Kanama edits all the time, but you don't, you forget about Kanama or Instagram tricks so easily. Yeah. I think that, have you guys seen like the, the new year, new edit comp that Rod is putting on with Tara? Mm-hmm. I think I'm yeah. going to enter that solely because I just want to make like a day edit or something. And I think that more, more like competitions like that are great because edits, they used to be such a big thing. Like people would get sponsored through making edits. Like those edit, like Kenko and Sweets had their edit comps. And I think if Kendama could move towards that again, it would be really cool. But I think social media has kind of just taken over. I mean, people do Kendama tricks on TikTok now, which is like the opposite of YouTube. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Arguably, I think I'm, yeah. Always, I'm always pushing for that. And I know that it's tough, especially for the newer players to like see the value in YouTube edits because if you post on YouTube, you'll get maybe 20 views, but on Instagram or on Reels or TikTok, you can get thousands without even trying. So it's hard to yeah. like push people that direction, but I think there's so much value in it. Yeah, uh, I think, uh, yeah, totally agree. I think people need to realize like the value of long form, longer-ish form content. I mean, two minutes yeah. is not long form, but yeah. <laughs> you know, two minutes, 30 seconds. In the Kandama scene, two minutes feels long. Like you can get a good amount of tricks in two minutes. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, I agree. Yeah, 2021 people need to uh, to value the edit. Maybe I've been saying that for years too. But of like, course, I, I'm always saying it. Yeah, I think, I think it starts with just people, like more people doing it. And there's always there's always edits that come out, um, but just not like they did back in the day. I don't want to sound like this old head, like oh, that like, <laughs> not as great anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it changes. You know, Everything you know changes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Aiden, Nick, do you guys have any any questions for George? Uh, we covered we covered a decent amount. Yes, we did. Yeah, I think that was good. Good chat. About an hour. I think we we're no Dama nerds. We usually keep it around an hour and try <laughs> to keep people tuned in the whole way through. And it was a good conversation. We kind of jumped around a lot, but we covered most of your path to being a pro player and mm-hmm. fourth at World Cup and uh, having a pro mod and editing professionally in, in Atlanta. So we got the George Marshall story and some Georgia specific stuff as well as stuff to look forward to for our squad. So if you guys are listening and don't come out to the jams regularly, come out, you get a chance to meet George Marshall and we've seen Christian Frazier and Josh Kim. And it's neat to have a little squad of players that are repping different companies and 
and can bring that vibe to the jam. So hopefully people aren't intimidated by that. It's an exciting, <laughs> it's a super exciting thing. George is super approachable. From my experience, we've hung out at the, you know, the previous jams, the four or five of them we've both been to. So looking forward to seeing more people, rooftop jams, all that. And it's been a good chat. Look forward to editing this one. Yeah. So thank you so much, George. Um, stoked to hang out with you more. Stoked to play some more Dama. Still kind of, you know, got a rough right hand right now. So I'll definitely be down to play another left-handed game of Ken. Um, but yeah, I think we're going to call an episode. So yeah, this has been Nick at Nick Drummer 20. Dama Doozy. And Nick Fish TV. And you guys have been listening to Jordy Kanama Radio. Peace.